Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity and sin. And we all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Lessons in courage and tone. Now, this is Wretched Radio. If you're not familiar with Allie Beth Stuckey, she's been on the scene for a couple of years now. A conservative Christian commentator who appears on Blase TV, owned by Glenn Beck, recently produced a video that is downright courageous. Why? Because she was willing to be critical and non-congratulatory toward a very popular co-worker who is going to be having a baby with his husband. Okay, let me just explain that. Dave Rubin is considered a conservative talk show host, quite popular on the internet machine. He's married to a man, and they are having a child via surrogacy. It's not easy understanding people having babies these days, is it? He's on the same network as Ali Beth Stuckey. And her video was titled, Why I Cannot Congratulate My Coworker Dave Rubin. Wow. You talk about an invitation to be canceled or doxxed. Ali Beth Stuckey showing a great deal of courage by standing firm in her biblical beliefs that marriage is one man, one woman, and that babies should happen through that procreative act between husband and wife. Furthermore, not only do I think she's courageous, I think we can learn a lesson in tone from her. She spends 16 minutes laying out why biblically, socially, morally, she is opposed to this. And I think that her tone is so stellar. We're not going to listen to the whole thing. I'll just bop through it rather randomly because she maintains that tone throughout the course of her 16-minute presentation where she is critical against somebody who is in a very protected class these days. And she does it in a way you can't, there's just no way you can perceive that Allie Beth doesn't care for Dave Rubin. You cannot perceive that she's hateful, that she's bigoted, whatever the phobia is that you have these days. None of that. So let's learn a lesson in courage and tone from Allie Beth Stuckey. I have been on Dave's show where I have told him explicitly what I believe and why about marriage and sexuality. I have already talked to Dave privately about this situation, about how while I believe that he and his husband will make great dads, I cannot in good conscience send my congrats. It's hard trying to balance how to love someone and to show them that you support them in certain ways while also staying true to your values and representing those values honestly. So I'm going to give four reasons why I could not congratulate Dave, either publicly or privately, even though I like him a lot and think that he is a great person. I will. That is not an easy act. 
that Ellie Beth Stuckey is attempting. This is a high wire routine that you are listening to. How do I express that I care for somebody, I love somebody, and yet I disagree with somebody, and here's why? Speaking truth and love is the issue here. I think Allie Beth did a pretty fine job of finding that balance. Also answered the question about how I feel about the company that distributes my podcast, Blaze TV, publicly sending a congratulations about this. By the way, she just simply said, I disagree. That was it. I disagree. And I'm grateful that they still let me say that I disagree without canceling her yet. Furthermore, I discovered in reading her comments that are open on the YouTube. I can imagine doing something like that. Somebody left a comment that Dennis Prager also congratulated Dave Rubin. So Glenn Beck, the Mormon, Dennis Prager, a Jewish man congratulating Dave Rubin on having a surrogate child. Well, that's telling, isn't it? And that is why I would simply remind you when you are listening to any political commentator who's not a Christian, you're going to get stuff that isn't either complete or is downright wrong. Case in point. That Let me just say, because I know there's always speculation about this kind of thing, Blaze TV has never told me what I can or can't say. That's good to hear. I'm going to fast forward because she gets into her theological reasons why she disagrees. This might be abrupt. Fact of the matter is, is that scripture spells it out really clearly. Not only is homosexuality explicitly prohibited in scripture, as in Romans 1, through 27. That's just one example. But the Bible also positively defines marriage in one way, as between a man and a woman. I like to use an alliteration to help me. This is helpful. Why the definition of marriage is so important according to scripture. So here it is. The definition of marriage is between a man and a woman in the Bible is rooted in creation. It is reiterated throughout scripture. It's repeated by Jesus himself. It is representative of Christ in the church. And in that way, it is reflective of the gospel. So- That's excellent. It begins in the garden. Don't forget ooh, the themes of the Bible. Just think of all of the wonderful themes that we see. Themes like trees, kings, relationships, and even the creation, trees, rivers. And this is another demonstration of the consistency and the supernatural nature of the Bible. We see in the very beginning a marriage between a husband and wife. What do you see at the very end of the Bible? A marriage between our Savior and the church, bookending the Bible. Marriage begins in creation. It's reiterated throughout the Bible. You don't see an example of an endorsed relationship being same-sex anywhere in Scripture. Jesus in Matthew 19.4, he very clearly stated, without saying it the way people would like these days, that marriage is between one man and one woman, period. So Jesus did speak on the issue. Furthermore, you have got it clearly condemned as a sin in Romans chapter 1. And then you see in Ephesians chapter 5 that the gospel is what is presented when a husband plays the role of Jesus, the woman plays the role of the church. It is a picture of the gospel. Well done from Allie Beth Stuckey. I'm going to bop forward again. Just 
Listen to the tone. Whose they are, from where they come, and intentionally prohibiting them from doing that, in my opinion, is wrong. Number three, this goes with number two, children are not social experiments. Every single person on the planet right now, every single person that has ever lived throughout human history has a biological... Now, if I were going to say that, here's my inclination, kids are not social experiments. That's not the way she delivered it. Was she being liberal or squishy? Clearly not. I think she's being extremely courageous. She's just not saying it like she's annoyed with the people who are committing these social experiments. Across time and cultures, this has been the family. It takes an insane amount of hubris for us to think today that we can completely rearrange the family and that it would have no consequences, especially for the most vulnerable party, which is children. We have no idea the extent of the long-term repercussions of intentionally taking a child away from their biological mom. Oh, well, yes, we do. Actually, in- uh, I, I, sorry, but I would say, yeah, actually we do. It's a it's an understudied field called reactive attachment disorder. When children are traumatized, when they are taken away from their birth mother, that needs more science, if you will, but the implications of detaching a child from its bio parents, oh, it's long-term. It's lifelong. It, it, you, they can learn how to cope with it, but they can never be cured of it. Two men hiring a surrogate where you are buying eggs from one woman, you are renting the womb of another woman, and then you are taking the child away from both the biological mom and the woman who has carried them. I don't think we've even begun to see the potential impact of that. We know that children in the womb can be affected by the trauma and the stress that is experienced by the woman who i'm going to fast forward this so you can see this is now we are 10 minutes and 57 seconds in she doesn't sound angry does she she just sounds like she's stating the truth in love to endure the physical mental emotional trauma of those experiences women's wombs should not be for rent by rich strangers and okay that was a very powerful critique of Dave Rubin, somebody she works with, somebody that she would call a friend. She summarizes everything and then concludes with stating uh, that she still cares about him. Let's strive to speak truth in love. And to that, I say, I think she did a pretty fine job of modeling that. Jimmy, if you had to give Ali Beth Stuckey a grade, what would you say? How am I grading? What's the scale here? Tone. Uh, to- a-, a, B, C, D. Okay, okay. I give, her, I, I give her an A for sure. Yeah, I, I, I thought she did a bang-up job. It is not easy to do, but I think that we have a demonstration courtesy of Allie Beth Stuckey on courage and tone. Well done, Allie Beth. This is Wretched Radio. Thanks for joining us on Wretched Radio today. Question, do you ever sit back and reflect on what your life was like 5, 10, 15, even 20 minutes ago? (laughs) Yeah, me neither. There's too much going on in the present to waste time reflecting on the past. And that, unfortunately, is the mindset of culture today. Of course, it's actually beneficial to reflect on the past, especially past episodes of Wretched TV and Radio, which can be found organized nice and neat at wretched.org. You'll also find over 40 amazing resources in the Wretched store, which 
coincidentally, were all produced and written in the past. Imagine that. You can learn in the present from things produced in the past. And thanks to the ongoing support of our gospel partners, we have been able to continue talking about the greatest event that ever happened in the past, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sure would love and cherish your prayers and support as we use the things of the past to affect lives in the present and future. So if any of this made any sense to you whatsoever, visit us online right now at wretched.org slash donate. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Clubs. $30 a month, Disciples 30 kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up a hundred new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. So what do you get when you mix a group of Gen Z college students and a group of biblical experts together with 2,000-year-old questions? Well, of course, you get Road Trip to Truth. John Fabares has hit the road on a quest to find answers to life's biggest questions like environmentalism, social Darwinism, the deadly impact of pornography, and the dangers of agnosticism. Those are just a few of the topics covered in Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth, which is available now at roadtriptotruth.org. Season 1 is also available, along with study guides for each season and a homeschool curriculum. Road Trip to Truth helps your children better understand questions from the world from a biblical perspective, and it will help you learn how to witness more effectively to this generation. So grab your copy of Season 1 and 2 of Road Trip to Truth at roadtriptotruth.org. Important dates in Christian history. 325 AD. The Council of Nicaea was called to address debates perplexing the church, primarily concerning the nature of Jesus. The Nicene Creed was drafted and is still one of the standards of orthodoxy among Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's debunk, shall we? This is Wretched Radio. The folks over at Reasons for Hope, you can find them at R-F-O-R-H. See what they did there? R-F-O-R-H, reasonforhope.com. You'll find apologetics materials. They travel the country teaching apologetics and preaching the gospel. And they regularly turn out debunked videos, which you can also find at debunked.org. Debunked.org. Tackling the subject very quickly, the way Carl Kirby tends to do it, on the issue of CRT. The great Thomas Sowell once said, Everything is new if you are ignorant of history. That is why ideas that have failed repeatedly in centuries past reappear again, under the banner of change, to dazzle people and sweep them off their feet. With that said, I'd like to talk about critical race theory, or CRT as we now call it. What is it exactly? And more importantly, 
Is it a biblical concept, as many progressive pastors and influencers have claimed? Well, perhaps. But then again, maybe it's more akin to an emotional outburst based on a fictional narrative camouflage and the sophisticated language and the redefining of classical terms by the so-called critical theory experts, with its Marxist subtext spun cleverly by the brainwashing media and shamelessly proselytized by the self-proclaimed enlightened gurus of our time, whose slogans, sayings, and acronyms get splattered across our smart devices by the ever-so-popular thumb-tapping social justice warriors, who, like some Frank Ferdian Molotov cocktail, exploded onto the scene using quasi clever rhetoric that's heavily promoted by woke influencers and the virtue signaling celebrities of our time. Now, I'm not sure exactly where Carl stands on this subject, but I'm starting to get some hints. <laughs> that's why I told you, you need to listen very quickly to Carl. He's going to blast through the unbiblical premises of critical race theory. This might be a helpful video to send along to people who are not exactly sure what this whole clam bake is about because it's animated, got cool graphics, all that jazz. And they might, for the first time here, um, this stuff that is seeping its way into the church is not biblical. What do I know? Let's throw out some facts and compare things to scripture so you can make your own decision. In a nutshell, CRT is against whiteness. And their trumpet blowers attempt to persuade all who might hear their loud blast that America and any country like her is a white, racist, oppressive society. Learned that at the Tennessee Museum the other day. The entire exhibit was bent on making sure that everybody understood white European males are bad. That's its fundamental premise, but it doesn't end there. It also applies itself. And incidentally, this pervasive theory, which has made its way through not only academia, not only through law offices, legal theory, it's made its way into the church. Just saw an interview. I sure wish I could remember the fellow's name. He's an Anglican priest, I believe is what they call them. And he is, it's his belief, a very calm fellow, that he's being drubbed out of the Anglican communion because his statement was that the Anglican leadership is just as progressively woke as what you will see in government academia. Whoa. But it's also made its way into the evangelical community. At least it's tried to make some inroads, and it probably has at least come knocking on the door of your church. Why should you say, sorry, I don't even need to look through the people to send you packing? All whites, whether they know it or not, understand it or not, don't want to be, have never been, and claim not to be, are still indeed racist. You are, if you are white, in the language of CRT, part of the group of oppressors, and all others, all non-whites that is, are the oppressed. That's why all policies and practices, all ideas and institutions, all enterprises and exercises, wherever there is or was whiteness, there is and must have been racism, therefore it all has to come tumbling down. That is happening. And that is why you maybe recall this was oh, perhaps a year or two ago. I'm not sure why I was just possessed by Mr. Ed. But you remember reading that it was Oh, what you, Jimmy, do you remember what university it was? Was it Princeton that was teaching one of the one of the elites teaching that of all of the things that are now considered racist, like language, punctuality, mathematics. In other words, two plus two equals four is racist. Why? 
Math was, it wasn't created by, it was discovered by white people. Therefore, it's bad. Punctuality, presumably, is a white construct. Therefore, we need to stop expecting people to be on time. Do you remember that? This explains why that is. Anything that is connected to white has got to go. Now, are they consistent in this? No, it's very selective because if everything white in Western civilization were removed, we'd have to tear down an virtually just so much. Not everything, of course, because there's certainly people with different skin colors who have contributed. But the vast majority of people in Western civilization have indeed been white. And therefore, if we're going to remove everything white, you're going to remove an unsustainable amount of, well, virtually everything. But is the theory and practice thereof based on biblical principles? No. And here's why. First of all, the Bible unquestionably asserts that there is only one race, the human race. Acts 17, 26 declares, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. It is in fact the teaching of evolution that says there are different races and the more highly evolved you are, the more important you are. That's even clear in the title of Darwin's infamous book, On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the preservation of favored races and the struggle for life. Look it up. Point is, any system, movement, or cause that tries to separate human beings made in God's image into different races and uses that as a device to divide us is fundamentally flawed and unbiblical. Secondly, CRT removes the sin of the individual and puts it onto a system or a group. This, again, is contrary to Scripture because God holds accountable the individual who is prideful. God holds accountable the individual who harbors hate in his heart. These sins are the root cause of racism, and these, not the color of someone's skin, are the things that need to be addressed if you are seeking true change. A number trace, CRT's solution to oppression is more oppression, or as some might say, they want to stop racism by using racism. That ain't right. Scripture commands, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Fourthish, CRT doesn't really look at behavior as much as it does skin color. And with that, long gone is the dream of civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. that his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. According to CRT, you are to be judged precisely because of the color of your skin. Racism in CRT is all about white oppressive power structures. And of course, all things they define as power structures must be obliterated. Defund the police, tear down the nuclear family, dismantle marriage, destroy capitalism, rip up statues, divide our children as early as elementary school. Oh, come on, wait a minute now, you say. That's going a bit too far. And what do you know? You're just a white man talking so fast we can't even follow along. Okay, I'll slow it down and I'll bring in Ty Smith, a black man who studied this topic in depth, then stood up at an Illinois school board meeting and said CRT is, and I quote, pretty much going to be teaching our kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other. And it's pretty much what it's all going to come down to. He added in a later interview, and I quote again, it is a complete lie. Not one white person or system in place kept me from doing what I did. Number five, to claim that somebody is something that he or she is not, or to say a nation or system is something it is not, or that there is little to no evidence of, is bearing false witness, which flies in the face of the ninth commandment, which flatly states, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. It's also slander, but since that's a subunit underlying, I'll count this as one. And finally, Ephesians commands, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. 
But CRT would have us hold on to our wrath and let our anger fuel the call, so to speak. So then, since the gospel is about salvation, kindness, mercy, peace, truth, unity, love, justice, and freedom, if a movement or cause or agenda or ideology or the fruit of such things is about enslavement, bitterness, wrath, anger, lies, slander, hatred, injustice, and oppression, then it stands in open rebellion against the word of God. And therefore, it won't work. To defeat racism, as the word is commonly used, we need to hate evil, love what is good, and establish justice, as it says in Amos 5. We need to confront the sins of hatred and pride in ourselves and others, repent, and embrace, teach, and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. All other methods will fail, period. So don't buy into worldly philosophies or empty deceit, as Colossians warns us, which is to say don't buy into critical race theory, and especially don't buy into the claim that it is based on biblical doctrine or derived from biblical principles in any way, shape, or form, because that, my fellow image bearers, has been debunked. Adios. (laughs) I'm exhausted. That's like listening to Ben Shapiro on speed. That's from Reasons for Hope, R-F-O-R-H dot com, or just go to debunked.org. You might want to share this, pass it around to your friends, share it with church members, because something that is so anti-biblical, anti-gospel, it simply cannot be allowed into the church in any way, shape, or form. I'm hoping that the tide is slowly shifting on that. I just don't know that it is as it continues to make inroads into the Christian church where it has absolutely no place. Besides, we have the biblical solution. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, and so are the other people who are in Christ with him or her. The mystery has been revealed that Jew and Gentile can both believe in God, love one another, because we have both been brought near It's only the preaching of the gospel and the prophetic voice of the church saying that attitude is sin and you need to repent, not embrace critical race theory. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. According to the BBC, heterosexuality was invented in 1934. Yes, 1934, less than a century ago. And to think all this time, I believe something totally different. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's Genesis 2. That's Bible. But nice try, BBC. Okay, honestly, that wasn't a good attempt, but it was an attempt. Now, Disney has been all over the news lately, mostly for their disdain over a new Florida law that protects the innocence of children four to eight years old. So, in an effort to regain control of corrupting young minds, a previously scrapped same-sex kissing scene in the upcoming Lightyear film has now been restored. Take that, DeSantis. That'll show him not to protect innocent minds. Thanks, Disney. You're the real heroes here. Oh, and and speaking of that Florida anti-grooming bill, ESPN has also gotten in on all the outrage over protecting young children. During a game in the women's NCAA tournament over the weekend, announcers took a moment of silence in protest against the bill. A moment of silence. Because apparently something has died. Yeah, it has, actually. It's the ability to groom and corrupt young children. That was definitely killed. But I guess if you want to have a moment of silence as you hearken back to the days when you could contend the minds of four-year-olds? Guess that's your business. 
And speaking of bills, there's a brand new bill that was passed by Congress last week. And I don't know about you, but I am extremely grateful that our elected leaders wisely used their time and taxpayer resources to pass the Crown Act. Crown, it's actually an acronym, and it stands for Creating a Respectful and Open Word for Natural Hair. Creating a Respectful and Open... Okay, that should be Crown. (sighs) The bill essentially bans hair-related discrimination. I don't think many people realize the depth of hair discrimination that's happening all around us. Bad haircuts have been holding people down. Well, not anymore, thanks to the Crown uh, Act. Thank you, Congress. You know what's most important for Americans. And speaking of bills, I'm sorry, but it seems like the pervasive news these days. A bill in Northern Ireland attending to create censorship zones around baby murder facilities has moved closer to becoming law. And the craziest thing about this law is not actually the law itself, but the fact that 99.8% of residents of Northern Ireland oppose the law. They don't want it, and they don't think it's good for Northern Ireland. I mean, look, you have responsible leaders who are there to tell you what to think and to tell you what you want. Now, get with it, Northern Ireland. I mean, you can't have a communist dictatorship if you're just going to speak your mind and disagree with politicians. Okay, I'm sorry. That was a bit snarky, a bit sarcastic. I don't actually know if Northern Ireland officials are trying to implement a communist or a socialist government. It's far too soon to tell. More Ratchet Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Names of God. One name the Bible gives to God is the Greek word despotes, which means absolute ruler. Despotes is related to the English word despot. As absolute ruler, God has ownership rights over all mankind. Yet our Master and Lord Jesus Christ became a man, suffered, and died on the cross for his people. The absolute ruler is also our example of ultimate humility. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Here we go. James. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio. Prepare to play one of America's fastest growing game sensations. Which story is most Romans one. No. Which story is most agitating? No. Which story gets up your nose in the morning? Which story is the most concerning? <laughs> you just pick whatever category you like because we're a postmodern game. So whatever your rules are, that's fine. You can apply them as you see fit. James? Yes. Are you ready to represent the tens and tens of people listening to this year Wretched Radio program? My favorite pastime is Here's judging. your first judgment. Do you like being called James, or do you feel like you're being called into the principal's office again? <laughs> no, it's fine. That's not my name, but it's okay. Is your Oh, your birth name is actually Jimmy? It is. Oh, so it's not like you're James. No. And your buddies just call you Jimmy. Right, no. You're uh, officially a Jimmy. That's it. Yeah. My- so to be calling you James would just flat out be wrong. Well, I mean... Yeah, but... Okay. All right. <laughs> this is going to bomb. I just... I know it. I just know it. When we were in Nashville... Did I mention I was in Nashville? Yeah, I think so. Over the weekend, went to see Brian Regan. He is a funny fellow, and he's been doing stand-up comedy for decades. Very clean, and I'll never be able to create this. But he's these nicknames. Jack. That's a nickname for John. <laughs> what? What's the need of, how is it even connected? Uh, imagine John F. Kennedy. Hello, my name is is John, but 
that's just too hard to pronunciate. So I've, I've simplified it for you, and 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 you you can just call me Jack. It's the same amount of letters. Same amount of letters. <laughs> and then the response of the first person. Well, thank you for that, Joe. Joe. Thanks for that, Jack. Wow, you were right. It really is easier to remember that. So, James, here is story number one for your consideration. All right. Babylon B has been kicked off the Twitter machine, or at least they're banned for a season. Some of the bigger organizations out there, they just get a little slap on the wrist. Others, they just get wiped off the planet. What got Babylon B detwittered? That's right. You can now be detwittered. You can be deplatformed. Why not detwittered? They identified the Babylon Bee Man of the Year as Rachel Levine. Now that was considered hateful. The reason Babylon Bee did that was because, was it U.S.? Who was it that identified Rachel Levine as the Woman of the Year? One of the Women of the Year. That was USA Today. USA. It was USA Today. His name's actually Richard. Oh, let the jokes fly. What are we looking at in our world when we identify a genetic male as being the woman of the year and we put it into a publication, celebrate it, and then anybody who dares to judge it in any way, shape, or form is deemed violating our rules on hate. You mean disagreement is to automatically hate somebody? Well, it is if you do not follow the rules of our progressive society. So you got two stories baked in one. Jimmy, you've got Babylon B and USA Today. All right. Hold on. Let me get my little thing here. This is story number one. And then story number two is USA Today. Here is story number three. And don't worry, they won't all be like this. But... The best swimmer in women's sports is a fellow. That's right. This fellow is whatever his name. Uh, Will Thomas, a trans-identified swimmer who now goes by the name of Leah, won the 500-yard freestyle in the NCAA Division I National Championship at Georgia Tech. Cool. He was 450th in the rankings in the men's division. He's number one in the girls' division. And I have to tell you, this, this, this narrative, the reason that I think that this obvious foolishness is being defended, because if you don't, so much comes crumbling down. I think my buddy Ludi from Ireland sent me a video. It was at, I think, the Georgia Tech event. And there was a woman, she sounded like she had a British, maybe an Australian accent. Sorry to both nations. I'm sorry, my ear, I don't know the difference. I'm not trying to be offensive. But she was saying to a fellow who happened to be wearing a mask, which wasn't mandated. Nevertheless, she was saying, what's your argument? That's, that's not a woman. Well, you're not a scientist. Are you a doctor? No. And I'm not an astrophysicist, but I know what a star and a planet looks like. I know what a girl looks like, and I know what a boy. What have you got to prove that that fellow should be in women's sports? And she then said something gasp-worthy. She said that men are bigger. They are stronger. They are biologically built with a bigger lung capacity, hormones, all of it. Now... 
if we are going to put an end to men swimming in the women's division, that narrative could take hold. And the feminists don't want that, do they? Because we're all exactly the same in every regard. Men don't do anything better than women, and women don't do anything better than men. Well, actually, they do, but we haven't gotten that far in our narrative yet. But the the narrative of feminism would come crumbling down if people start to make the argument that dude shouldn't be in the pool with all the girls. It's not fair. And that, of course, would fly into the face of postmodernism. There's story number three for you. Leah, Rachel, no, Richard. Richard. Will. (laughs) Will is his name. All righty, then. I'll tell you, this this is an issue that you're going to be confronted with soon. You're going, to, you're going to have to use pronouns. You're going to have to use names that you disagree with or get fired. Get ready. It's coming. Yes, James. Well, I have a question. Uh, we see the, the, the men clamoring to, to play women's sports like this, but we don't really see women clamoring to play men's sports. No, but you know what? Um, a couple of demonstrations have taken place. I believe it was, I think, one of the Williams sisters played a male who was ranked in the hundreds and he won and and John McEnroe took a beating for it because he said that if if Serena Williams the greatest woman tennis player of all time were in the men's division she'd be in like the 300s in the rank 400 whatever it was that he said oh you can't say that well um there's just a difference yeah But you see, if we recognize that there is a difference, that destroys our new social fabric, which is a complete tatters. But nevertheless, women can't be anything less in any way, shape or men can't have any advantages. That's not what we teach anymore. There's a lot at stake for the progressive warriors. Now, here is what makes story number three a contender. It's not just that Will is the number one rated woman swimmer. In an interview with ESPN last year, Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona suggested that he was open to taking legal action against states that passed legislation to prevent biological males from competing in women's sports. I'll make that number four. All right? Just... Just so it sounds like we have a lot of competitors here because, well, I've got a stack and and we really do. This is the highest level of government making legislation to punish people who point out the obvious. That is a sign of the times. Story number, oh, this one we talked about, but apparently it passed now. This was piece of legislation, Maryland House and Tribe like 616 or something like that, it appears that because of a word that it is possible that abortions could take place in Maryland after the child is born, which isn't abortion anymore. It's called infanticide. And yet this piece of legislation passed 93 to 42. Maryland apparently is like the most pro-abortion aggressive state there is. Here's the language. This is why so much of our culture And so much of the wrangling in society regarding morality and values, it it revolves around choice of words. This is a pristine example. The language of the proposed bill, which now passed, 
This section may not be construed to authorize any form of investigation or penalty for a person. So just like the Board of Education saying, hey, 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 we'll investigate the people who try to make laws opposing this. If you, in this instance, you, you, you in any way, shape or form, this section may not be construed to authorize any form of investigation or penalty for a person who takes advantage of this law. What is this law? Experiencing a perinatal death related to a failure to act. So if your child dies in a perinatal act, you can't be. That's okay. We're not going to investigate you. What's the big deal? Perinatal does not mean prenatal. That means before born. Perinatal means up to 28 days after birth. They can kill you. That is the war of words. Perinatal giving permission for infanticide. That is story number five. We're not done yet on Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable, biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. How would you like to be considered the second smartest person on the planet behind this guy? It was, a, it was, a, it was, it was. Okay, maybe that was a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner is one of the wisest decisions you'll ever make. Gospel Partners Media is a 501c3 nonprofit, meaning all financial gifts are tax deductible. But other than that, why should you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? Simple, because it's your gifts that help us create compelling gospel-centered content that reach millions of people all over the world. And we're members in good standing with the ECFA, the financial accountability folks who audit our books yearly to keep us transparent and accountable to our gospel partners. And 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. So, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us at Gospel Partners Media? Just visit wretched.org slash donate to get complete details. We think it's one of the wisest investments you can make. Wretched.org slash donate. Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Tell me, that doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting 
Preborn Centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can. $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Attributes of God You can trust in God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 tells us that God is immutable. He does not change. He is faithful to fulfill His promises, just as much today as when the Bible was written. You can rest assured that His Word is still true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please be praying for Jakey. This is Wretched Radio. Jakey, are you ready to continue representing the tens and tens of people listening to this year Wretched Radio program? You talking to me? I'm just... You call yourself Jimmy. If that's how you see yourself, that's fine. (laughs) I see you as Jakey. Therefore, you need to answer to my understanding of who you are. Whatever your truth is, Todd. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Let's get back to this depressing round of which story is most troubling, concerning, agitating, gets up your nose, is more Romans 1 than the other. You may recall Babylon B in trouble for calling Rachel Levine the man of the year. USA Today saying, no, he's actually the woman of the year. Trans-identified swimmer wins NCAA Women's Championship. The Department of Education stating any state that tries to prohibit women, men from competing in women's sports, we're going to go after you. They'll use Title IX, no doubt about it. And then finally, story number five in Maryland, the word perinatal. Perinatal is a definition, a medical term, that these days has been defined. It's not just pre-birth, but it's up to four weeks after birth. And the legislation that just passed in Maryland allows for perinatal excuses for not saving the life of a child who is born. Does this sound at all like the days of yore that we read about in the first century, second century, when the pagans would leave specifically, usually, their girls out in the elements to simply die? Just take them out there. They can't do anything. I'm away from the cries. I'm good to go. That is this legislation. It could be used for that very purpose, that the woman, she she can decide up to four weeks after her child is born, you know, I wish I'd had an abortion. Don't worry, you still can. We just won't tend to the child. What a world, what a world. Story number six. Jimmy, this one is a little bit on the complicated side, but... It is just another reminder of the direction that our society is going as it continues to want to unhinge from anything that is grounded in morality, truth, values. The headline of this particular story is meta-analysis suggests psychopathy. Now, these are people that we would have said have a mental illness in the past and one that is dangerous. Anybody who's psychotic, who has psychopathy, may be experiencing an adaptation rather than a mental disorder. Let me explain to you from the article. Despite a widespread belief among the scientific community that psychopathy is a mental disorder, an alternative, here it comes, evolution-minded perspective has been proposed. Hold on. 
What could possibly be an evolutionary approach to psychological issues? Well, Charles Darwin taught us that there is a reason that we are the way that we are today because we've evolved to this place. Therefore, whatever it is that we have done to get here must have had an evolutionary advantage. Therefore, it's okay. And that's now what they're saying about psychopathy. Here's how they did it. It's just staggering to me. The It's no longer a mental disorder. An alternative evolution-minded perspective has been proposed that psychopathy is a life history strategy of social exploitation maintained by negative frequency dependent selection. Oh, I get what? What did they just? Just a flurry of words to cause you to think, oh, this must be scientific. No. It's based in a worldview, which is evolution, that there are advantages. So somebody who's psychopathic, there must be an advantage to it, either now or then. So it's not a mental illness. It's a mere adaptation. Here's what the article says. This is from Psypost. Psypost. So it must be Psychology Post. The evolutionary view of psychopathy posits that risk-taking, opportunistic, and callous behavior characteristic of psychopaths would have increased reproductive success in ancestral environments. Oh, right. So somebody who's a psychopath could take advantage to people and make more babies. That's what happened. Evidence? Zero. Mere speculation. These traits, says the article, would emerge when they are expected to promote fitness. For example, under conditions of a high ratio of cooperators to psychopaths, psychopathic individuals could exploit trusting and cooperative others to enhance their reproductive opportunities. Psychopathic traits in such conditions would have been favored by selection. Oh, cool. Now it's not a mental illness. It's just an adaptation. And hey, maybe a good one. And that is precisely the problem with natural selection. Does it ever explain right or wrong? Does it ever explain why something is the way that it is? Yes. And it doesn't matter what the is is. Hmm. What matters is that there was some sort of an advantage. Therefore, it was part of the evolutionary process. So think of something that we used to consider to be evil. No, it's the evolution can explain that. They can explain the negative outcome. They can explain the positive outcome. And that's the problem. You, you can justify anything through that filter and lens. This is one attempt to do it. That's story number six, Jimmy. Psychopathy, no longer psychopathic. It, it, that wasn't confusing at all. It's an advantage. It, well, no, it's not confusing. It's just dopey. <laughs> Is what it is. Story number seven. The former governor of New York made some biblical comments. Therefore, I'm interested. So this one maybe doesn't have the social impact of the other stories, but we're tossing it into whatever we're calling this. Uh, The former governor tells a church that he's a victim of the social death penalty. This is what he said. Cancel culture says... If you don't agree with me in my point of view, then you should be canceled. Here it comes. Quote, it's a social death penalty. Anyone can get canceled at any time. 
And it happens with frequency. No one's immune. That's true. Our cancel culture mentality today is like modern day stonings. Remember the stonings of the Bible? I do. Thanks for bringing it up, Governor. These were actually given by God, which means that a stoning wasn't a sin. His analogy is off. Canceling somebody because you disagree with them is one thing. Somebody who commits a crime that is so high-handed and disruptive of an orderly society deserving the death penalty is a different thing. One is unjust, the other is just. But thanks for playing our game. Furthermore, he said, quote, our cancel culture mentality today is like modern day stonings. Remember the stonings of the Bible? I do, sir. But to quote you, hey, canceling, it's not death. Remember those infamous words? All of the negative the impact that we are seeing from COVID and shutdown and isolation, not the least of which is the children. Ay, 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 are they suffering from this today? Mm. He said, well, but it's not death. It's not death. And neither is canceling, sir. He went on to say, uh, no, this was earlier this month. He spoke at another congregation. What is he doing at all these churches? God's Battalion of Prayer Church in Brooklyn, quoting scripture to declare, God's not finished with me yet. I agree with that, sir, but probably not the same way that you're thinking. My father, God rest his soul, used to say government is an honorable profession, but that politics can be a dirty business. See, I think that's the problem right there. I don't think politics should be a profession. That is, I, I think, the, the fundamental flaw in thinking about what it is that the realm of government does. These are supposed to be civil professionals. Civil servants is what they're supposed to be. He said, quote, this is especially true today when this politics out there is so mean and so... I can't discern if he's the pot or the kettle. When even, get ready for this, when even the Democratic Party chooses to cancel people that they have a disagreement with. No! They would do such a thing I can't even imagine. Jimmy, that's story number seven. Are you prepared to do the thing that you do? You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! the truth order in the court babylon b usa today the fellow chick swimmer the department of education saying they'll actually go after states that try to prohibit men from jumping into the girls swimming pool the perinatal legislation in maryland psychopathy it's an adaptation not mental illness and finally our former governor of new york stating that he's basically getting stoned I think that's kind of what he said. Jimmy, which one is the winner of whatever we're calling this? Well, they're all terrible, but the the Maryland law has to take the case. They're all terrible, so I did my job of assembling these. (laughs) You did. Take away. The world is so broken, it needs supernatural intervention. There is only one way that will happen. When you and I are obedient to the Great Commission, then God, upon regeneration, will begin to fix their stinking thinking. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.